2: Welcome to Weekly, the show where we look back at the week on Eurogamer and dive into some of the juicier points from it. Supporters of Eurogamer get these episodes first every Friday, whereas everyone else listens from Monday. Check out the description below to find out more. I'm Bertie, a very long-time writer for Eurogamer, and today on Weekly I'm joined by news reporter Victoria Kennedy. Hello, Victoria.
1: Hi, Betty and everyone.
2: Hello. Um, and making their weekly debut, it's longtime contributor or freelancer, Edwin Evans-Stirlwell. Hello, Edwin. Hello. Welcome to the show. Now, Edwin, we can't see because we've been trying the video feed and it just won't work with the computer that Edwin was working on. So I'm afraid you only have the voice today, but instead of Edwin's face, we will put the face um, of Zarya, who is Edwin's favorite Overwatch champion hero thank you please don't,
0: don't don't spill the beans on my tech issues it's because i'm actually a man of mystery and this is my preferred way to communicate that,
2: <laughs> that's what i meant to say uh, edwin is so secretive and um, that's just one of edwin's um personas uh, and we you know we don't want to we don't want to blow the cover
0: edwin's a secret
1: but what a cracking voice what a voice. <laughs> what a voice. This isn't
0: this isn't my real voice either. It's all all AI at this point. Oh, <laughs> entirely a construct.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> now,
2: I mentioned Zarya there. Uh, one of the big talking points of the week is obviously Overwatch. Overwatch 1 and Overwatch 2 because Overwatch 1 is poof, no more, and Overwatch 2 is um now and everyone's been forced to migrate and yeah, Edwin is the person we have reviewing the game for us, and if you've been reading the site this week, Edwin has shared some kind of first impressions on on the game, and they're kind of mixed, from what I understand. And also, before we get on to kind of the your thoughts, the launch itself has been a bit of a kind of a bit of a disaster, really. I, I mean, it's not been. It, terrible but it's been kind of hampered by login issues and apparently some ddos attacks and stuff people can't play it basically have you were you struggling with this as well edwin
0: yeah i mean i think i would definitely inch towards terrible as a description and it's um yeah i mean we got the uh, review codes relatively late and it was a bit of a struggle finding games for various reasons um so that was one thing, but then it actually kind of got worse after after launch when I was expecting to jump in on quick play and just start racking up the games. It's um, Yeah, and I'm not sure if anybody's claimed any responsibility for the DDoS attacks we've been talk, told about. I'm, I'm sort of speculating as to who might be, who would hold the biggest grudge, and I sort of wonder whether it's original Overwatch 1 players trying to sabotage the sequel, because obviously the you know, the big bone of contention with this game is that it's both not really a sequel and also it's just kind of replacing the original game Um, it's yeah it's a bizarre situation
2: which is tricky if you've been perfectly enjoying Overwatch 1 and then you go to Overwatch 2 and you know you can't you can't really play it so I went to I'm quite excited I'm I'm a big Overwatch fan and I installed the game and got very excited to go and play it and then tried to go and play it and it was like boom you are four thousandth in queue, and I was like, oh, come on. Remembering the World of Warcraft queues uh, from Once Upon a Time, which, when you see 4,000, that's an easy half hour wait to get into the game. Although, in Overwatch 2's case, it was about five minutes, so it wasn't that bad. But then I got booted <laughs> out again, and it was like, you're 120,000th in the queue, and I was like, hmm, that seems a little bit more dramatic. Um, and that would i mean a ddos attack would explain that it is weird though because you kind of think blizzard okay world of warcraft overwatch like you've been running these services for for years you know some of the biggest online games in the world how do you the only explanation i can think of is a ddos attack because otherwise how on earth could you get it so wrong right
0: yeah it's it's a bizarre situation it's um it's almost like having a kind of a a really bad mini game on on the login page that you have to play you have to kind to of keep pulling the roulette arm to kind of <laughs> get the lowest possible score on the um on the queue the queue dials or whatever um and yeah i mean i don't know i mean i I don't get the sense that i mean you know, with all respect to the people involved um I, I don't get the sense that overwatch two was quite so heavily anticipated that they would have been entirely caught out by just a giant player account um Obviously, they've had many years, as you say, many years, decades of experience of running these these kinds of games. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm interested to see the, the kind of the post-mortem on this launch, I suppose, if, if it ever gets, if it ever sees daylight. Um, because, yeah, it's, it's kind of all over the place.
2: Yeah, and so Blizzard's come out a few times now and apologised. For what's been going on, you know, talking about a DDoS attack, but also removing some stuff like there was some SMS phone verification that was tripping people up, just seemed like an extra layer that was getting in people's way. They've taken that away now. They're doing what they can to kind of smooth it up. And in fairness, I was playing this morning, which arguably is not um, a busy time of day to be playing the game. And I played with no fuss at all. I logged in and got games really quickly. The benefit of it you know being popular is that you can find games really quickly and i was playing with with no problem at all so let's hope that i suppose from here on out after a rocky launch things are going to settle down so kind of technical issues aside for the moment i'll come on to my thoughts in a second but have your thoughts changed at all edwin since so you 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 delivered those early impression thoughts have they changed any more since you wrote those and and you sort of settled down with the game a bit more
0: um i would say not not particularly i mean like at the end of the day there is still you know the same fun team play shooter the same you know really elegantly designed and very varied team play shooter kind of there um but uh yeah it's it's got this new um as i said in the in the, in the impressions, this kind of new microtransaction street jacket on it, which isn't particularly obnoxious, <laughs> I think, by the standards of you know battle passes and monetization in general, but it's still just something that just it just sort of doesn't feel like it needs to be there. Looking at it purely from the perspective of a player and a consumer, like obviously Blizzard will have its own wider uh, business strategies and projections in, in play around this. Um, and yeah, it's it's also just, as I said, it's not really a sequel. It's, it is yeah. a substantial game update that has been, you know, by the sounds of things, kind of you know, rolled out a little bit hastily. I've seen, I've seen some to the effect that um, they were trying to make, you know, a more a longer, substantial, quote-unquote, proper sequel, and that um, they had difficulty essentially with just with the single-player elements or with the, P, the PvE elements that they were planning to add, and so they needed to get something out to kind of, you know, keep the uh, the player base interested, and so this has been kind of dropped a little bit early. Um, that's purely me kind of riffing on things I've read here and there. Um, but but yeah, and it does have, you know, to be fair, some kind of more substantial changes. But you do have to kind of really get into the weeds to find them, and I think it'll take several days of play before we can really understand their effects. Notably, the reduction of the um, headcount per side to five players. Um, the Kind of the fewer numbers, the single dedicated tank tank slot that you get in certain modes, um, and how that kind of changes the chemistry of battle. That's that's all kind of potentially quite impactful. And then also, you know, I'm, I'm sort of repeating my impressions now, but the fact that each individual class of hero is a little bit more survivable. They they all have more ability to stand by themselves. Um, which is not to say that you can just take any one class and take on the entire enemy team. It's still a team play game, um, but it feels a little bit like it's just sort of moving further and further away from the much more open-ended and sort of interlocking team play mechanics of the original game back in 2016. Yeah,
2: so just to touch on something you said there. Um Blizzard removed the PvE, the sort of um, you know, cooperative game mode where you're not fighting other people, you're fighting through a kind of storyline and these missions that Blizzard were making. This was the big addition that Overwatch 2 was going to have, but it's was taking more time or well, that's what they said and clearly it's taking more time and it was holding the whole project up so they pulled the pvp part out of it and decided to launch it this year and i think the aim is to put out the pve side next year and the effect of this obviously is that you're playing a game that looks an awful lot like overwatch in fact i think the, the first game i played in overwatch 2 was on one of the maps I'd played a million times in Overwatch 1 with all the same characters. I was playing one of the same characters. And, and I, I just, I was like, oh, this is this is Overwatch 1. And nothing, I know there are changes in there, but nothing felt appreciably different. Uh, you know, And there's lots I liked about Overwatch 1. But all those other feelings come back of you're like, oh, it's just the same map. It's the same. People are fighting in the same areas. This just feels exactly the same in fact even the new heroes don't really nudge there's not much difference there you know they uh, you touched on this in your piece actually they are not necessarily big standout game-changing heroes at the moment that you know they do some nice things and and they're quite exciting to play in their own ways but they don't feel like the big game winners that some of the Won
1: of them has a railgun doesn't she is that yes which one's that
0: certain S- or yeah. Sir John. Or, I
1: don't know. <laughs> yeah, who I'm I played. all
2: their names. <laughs> I played as um, a bit uh, before, just against bots, because when I played the um, a sort of closed beta there, I couldn't find a game. So I was playing against bots, and I found her really fun. Um, she's, well, I say fun, she's a very reliable, sort of relatively hardy kind of. Uh, dps character i think you i can't remember how you you, you described her something like as a boring soldier 76 um, <laughs> and there I'm is more some... aggressive
0: soldier 76 i did i did also call her boring but not, uh, not specifically. There, there is
2: something like that about her and you and you think yay railgun you know and you might think of like the quake series when you think of railgun which is this you know potentially devastating but it, it doesn't work like that until you get your special basically which allows the rail to go through multiple people and gives you the potential to kind of um, really rack stuff up, but uh, yeah, I was reminded a lot of of Overwatch One and all the the reasons why I think I walked away from Overwatch One. You know, I was sort of fed up of the same or relatively similar game experience um, each match, and so I instantly started looking at the alternative game modes like the deathmatch game mode you can play um, and the mystery heroes game you can play where it automatically picks your character for you. Every time you die and respawn, it picks you a new character. So it put, it forces you to change.
1: Oh, that's quite cool.
2: Yeah, it forces you to play as all the other characters, which is good because sometimes you get locked in your perceived role and, um, and you feel kind of timid to get out of that, um, mm. which is a shame because all of the characters are great fun to play in their own right. And I, we are and I, creatures of habit. Yeah, and I, yes. I really suggest people who haven't played the game actually to, okay, you'll have your favourites, but try all the other characters because if nothing else, you'll learn what their weaknesses are as well, and you know, or, or where their strengths are, and. But so uh, you can
1: exploit them for the next game on someone else. Is that what you mean?
2: Learn them. I was thinking about <laughs> in, in a in learning. So I haven't really, I haven't played enough games for the. The biggest, one of the biggest changes, as you mentioned, Edwin, is the cha- the move from teams having six people in. I, I'm showing five fingers because I got that wrong. Um, to now having five players in, so it's five a side now, um, and they've knocked out effectively a tank slot, and and the whole design theory behind this, and, and you can feel, is that they're trying to stop the game getting stuck at choke points i think um and trying to stop people kind of digging in and they want to keep the game moving they want to keep the action kind of flowing which is why and i didn't realize this actually but edwin you picked it up in your piece they've done stuff like Bast um Reinhardt's shield now has less health but he can move around with it a bit more quickly um uh may's ice wall which i love has now less health as well so they're they're trying to stop these things that previously blocked kind of made for blockages um uh the i've forgotten her name the centaur lady doesn't have any shields yeah Orisa doesn't have any shields at all now she has different she's being completely redesigned um so there's a load of interesting stuff have you felt the 5v5 sort of space more have you felt a, a, a perceptible kind of change in the
0: way a game plays. I think it's going to take a bit more time to kind of feel that difference in the game. I think if you are, I mean, if you're an eSports player, for instance, if you're extremely, you know, um, up on your team compositions and you you really understand the mechanics um, in depth, then I'm sure you will notice a difference right away. Um, For me, it's a question of kind of, just trying to work out the automatic mental arithmetic you might do it at a corner where you think okay i know that there are two tanks in front of me or one in one, one tank if it's if it's this particular game this particular mode um i know that healer is over there i know that this sniper is over there um it's tr- i'm trying to kind of like track to what extent i am more or less cautious in particular scenarios because i've you know the, the kind of the automatic calculator in my head is saying you don't have anything to worry about here there's no wild card you haven't accounted for um I think the, the more appreciable difference straight away is just the, the, the fact that there are you know, fewer tanks in, in these games and um, that, uh, yeah, they're a bit less shieldy. I mean, I should qualify adding to that, uh, to the impression piece, you can still layer up your shields. I mean, you can still do the thing where you will jump up on the, uh, on the payload and, you know, Reinhardt busts out his shield and Winston's still got his shield and you can just basically create a little pocket of safety and calm amid the chaos, which <laughs> lasts for about five seconds when you know the other side's FARA comes in and blows everything to hell. But um yeah, the um but it's still yeah, it's a much less yeah, I mean, because there are times when, you know, in the original game, you know, went against certain kind of teams where you just felt like you were trying to walk through quicksand getting anywhere near a point or getting anywhere near the the objective. Um, and this is a more you know, tanks are still significant, but um, yeah, I mean, it's more like, it's less about their ability to just chuck out a bunch of barricades and more about the kind of their ability to chain their their non-shield abilities cleverly. I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan of uh, Zarya, Zarya, whose name I will never pronounce correctly. Um, and, you know, she's a kind of a microcosm for, she has these, you know, obviously the bubble shields, but you have to really know your timing to be able to use them effectively and keep an eye on what the rest of the team is going doing, and obviously, Pop them on, pop the bubbles up when you know somebody's about to get headshot by Widowmaker or something like that. Um, and that's kind of where I sense they're trying to take tanks in general. It's like don't just set up a wall. You know, think about how you can kind of work in the middle of the of the team. Um, and Junker Queen is quite um, representative of that. She's one of the new heroes, and she her sort of abilities are kind of basically about bleeding people and restoring health that way, coupled with um, a, a shout ability that sort of boosts the team around her um so for her to support her team and to kind of absorb fire she has to play cleverly with her various throwing dagger and, and kind of axe abilities at, at short range to kind of keep her health tops up um i haven't played as sounds... her yet but she looks she looks awesome
1: it all sounds She's... very eclectic when you talk about popping the bubble up to make sure the Widowmaker <laughs> doesn't do this and then the fire's going off <laughs> so
2: victoria i have a, a question for you so i want to talk about excitement because when overwatch one came out um well I mean it hit beta in in 2015 and it sort of spread through and then it came out um eventually in 2016 and there was this building excitement I remember being very excited the whole thing was was new then and I think it was the first very popular sort of hero pa- uh, based shooter and it just felt like this you were you were part of this great sort of exploration of this new genre as people were flooding in and you know super charismatic um as well do, do you what are you an overwatch player i don't think you are and, and and if you're not are you excited about taking part do you feel any sort of um proximity excitement to this
1: uh, i suppose for me i am not an overwatch player generally like the games i play are narrative driven single player experiences but i am curious i okay. suppose is maybe the best way for me to describe this right now about overwatch just because it has been such a big thing i suppose since its conception in what 2015 whenever it was uh, to the point that it completely wiped the floor with some other game that released at the same time i can't remember its name
0: battleborn that poor one. old battleborn <laughs> yeah
1: like, you know, th- like I said, I forgot that game's name, but I know Overwatch, even though I don't personally play Overwatch. So, it you know, it's obviously had a huge impact on the gaming horizon, I suppose, or landscape. Um, and yeah, I mean, it like I said, from what you said, it sounds very eclectic, uh, which I can be on board with. I'm all for a bit of eclasticity. I don't know if that's the word. <laughs> um, eclecticism. But yeah, I, I'm. I mean, from from you both have obviously played it. Why, as a newcomer, should I come to the series with Overwatch? Like, what do you think is like its big selling point for a newbie?
0: I do you want to start? with this. <laughs> You go for that, Edwin. I have thoughts. I'm curious. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I think. I mean, it. There's. This, there are kind of like very broadly like two versions of Overwatch. There's the sort of the. Much more MOBA influence uh, game that we had at launch, which was a bit broken and uneven and kind of just all over the place. Had all these different styles, um, kind of firing in all directions, and was just wonderful to kind of pick up and play around in um, to see who would do well against which other hero and all those sorts of things. And then over time, it it transported, kind of transformed a bit more into being much more of an esports game and also a bit more of a shooter, basically. There were particular heroes they added that made it much more of a kind of aim down sights affair. and um, yeah, I think from the perspective of a newcomer, I would say look for that first incarnation of Overwatch, which is still in there, where it is more about picking um, a character with a wonderful, weird skill set that you could just build a whole game around, um, and just doing completely off the wall things with them, or literally off the wall in the case of some <laughs> heroes, um, and just sort of seeing, you know, just playing, seeing how that works with your, your kind of the team composition, and obviously, you know whether it wins you the game, but just you know how how fun it is to experiment. Um and that's where modes like uh, Mystery Heroes as disability was saying those are really good for that because they just give you they absolutely they free you up to just kind of do something a bit bizarre and see what the effect is. And I think a sort of a a, a spin-off effect from that was that you had a team play shooter that was very sociable. Like, I mean there's a, a lot of toxicity in the Overwatch community as there is in a lot of um mm. you know obviously team play FPS communities. Um, but in quick play with the mics off you get this wonderful kind of sense of playing around where um, all the heroes are so different and so weird and it, and it kind of it sort of lends itself somehow to people just kind of forgetting that they want to win on some level. I've had matches where everyone just sort of stops and starts crouch walking in a conga line <laughs> for no apparent reason. I think everybody's had moments <laughs> like that and you know you just sort of like there's this kind of moment it's like I don't know you think of the World War War anecdote about people carrying Christmas trees to the other trenches it's like the equivalent of that, but in in Overwatch, it's just people <laughs> forgetting Kongo that they're fighting. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd say look look for that flavor of Overwatch, which is still there, even though they've made all these changes.
1: What about yeah. the maps and things? Like, is the world like an interesting world to be in?
0: Yeah, I, I think definitely.
2: I think Blizzard they have a lot like so the playable area of a map is 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 so big, but they also paint like the the area white more widely around that as well. So you feel like you're in a kind of world and there are there, a lot of people i got quite into the law originally as well because it kind of offered clues as to which hero might be coming next and things there is a whole bunch of law that they support with comics um and they used to do these animated these wonderful Blizzard's got this wonderful animation kind of department they used to do these wonderful animated shorts to introduce new characters and sometimes kind of expand the law um But the the thing that always sort of pulls me back is always this like, can I, will the stars align in this game for just a wonderful moment? You know, when the whole team comes together for like a wonderful team play or you have these ultimate abilities, you know, will I get, there's a play of the game system which highlights um, a particularly good play that game and it's one person at the end and it's like your name in lights and you know will the stars align so that you know i pull off my ultimate and and, and kill like a few people and you know have that clip when overwatch one launched the, the overwatch one reddit was just these people like posting these gifs of just these amazing plays they'd done and it was people like edwin said discovering new ways to synergize some of the characters so like team up like one character boosts another character just as they hit there and it was all these sort of team play discoveries and people finding new ways to do things and that was really really exciting I think beyond just individual player skill I think you have a wider team play thing going on where you're thinking about which are the good characters to have together in a group how are they going to work together you know and and then the tactics of the map themselves like can we I remember. I remember once when you could all be the same hero they soon changed this but there was one map where you could just fly around the side um and get to someone's like point where you just had to like capture the point and they're all waiting somewhere else for the team to come out the normal route and you're already on their point <laughs> and there was this wonderful um but it was like little moments like that i think those kind of team moments and and just the sociability of everyone playing mm. you know the same game for a while yeah. and it- It's quite easy on, I think, newcomers as well. There is, um, you know, there are people who've been playing it a long time and the skill ceiling can go very high. Um, But even when it does, I think the team play aspect is still fascinating. You know, which characters you choose, how they overlap, how they work together. Um, It's not just look at, at, you know, X person playing this game. They can flick their mouse really fast. You know, Um, I think there's more to it than that.
1: My problem is, I played Halo Infinite a little while ago just to test out some <clears throat> headphones I was reviewing for a different job. And um, I got totally lost, and it was just like me, solo Spartan, at the other end of the map, as all the action was at the other end. That's the kind of player I would be. So if you <laughs> see someone playing Overwatch that's like facing a wall, that'll be me. But well,
0: th- well, you can <laughs>
2: go on. I was going to say, I think this is great. I, I think what I'd like to see people rekindle in Overwatch 2 is a sense of fun. You know, a sense of um, teams, groups of players, groups of friends coming together and just grouping up and working together and just having fun in the games, you know, as they as they work it out, as they. So is there the
1: option to play with like people that you want to play with? It's not necessarily Always just you're throwing it around.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, you you can group us um, with your friends, although then you tend to get matched with other groups that have grouped together, especially, which sometimes can be a bit of a rude awakening because you you might get grouped (laughs) with a bunch of people who play together, you know, and you're like, oh, God, oh, God, they're using proper tactics, you know.
0: (laughs) know. It's always terrible when people actually fight tactically in these games. Come on, conga lines. Let's all stack up and draw our emojis on walls and things. I remember one of the first times back in early Overwatch
2: when we saw a team really working together well for the first time, like... I won't go over the tactics it might not mean much to someone but I just remember it being as excited to be on the receiving end of a well-coordinated ass (laughs) whooping as as much as if I as much as if I'd done it myself and I remember in general chat me and a few others were like oh my god that was such that was really cool you know like you know well done Um, have
1: you ever tried to like I don't know. Redo that in your own play style then be like, "I saw that person doing this really cool thing." Yeah, I think we did,
2: can... and it didn't work. And we were like, <laughs> oh, oh, "Oh, what? It must is not just a player skill thing." <laughs> anyway, Overwatch <laughs> Two was out. Um, I want to leave that behind now because I'm, I'm conscious of time um, a little bit. Um, so, moving on to other things that happened on the site this week. Another kind of bigger talking point was Gotham Knights, um, which is the new batman game but batman's not in it now this game's had a rough time of it since it was announced really and and i think people have been down on it basically because it's not it's not looked great the batman games are very fondly remembered i think you, you both are fans of those um and anyway this game has struggled to live up to to that i think and chris Tapsell has just written a big preview on us and um he's quite blunt about it really it, it, basically it's fine but it's nothing mm. more it's sort of it there are some what there's some wonderful language in his preview and i don't want to sort of butcher it too much here but it's almost as if they've split batman into four they've split him into aggregate into four sort of not those yeah. strong or compelling parts, poor
1: subpar heroes,
2: and it's a bit like they've done that with the world as well, and and, and sort of everything in the game, they they've just sort of um, weakened it in in some kind of way. Uh, but you you two are fans of the Batman series, I think. Is that right?
1: I like Batman in general, um, okay. and I you know would like to be Selina Kyle one day, but we'll we'll see if I get there. But <laughs> yeah, I'm slightly. I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't want to hate on it too much because it's not out yet and maybe it'll pull through but from what I've seen I've been quite like I there was one bit that I watched and it was a gameplay trailer showing off uh, Batgirl and she was fighting some goons I can't remember exactly who (laughs) they were but it was just like the 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 narrative of it was just so poor like there was one guy who is meant to be like this really sort of scary hench dude. And he was shouting at a patch of grass, burning it being like, yeah, you'll never grow again grass. And I was like, really? Like that's, wow. that's not, that's not scary. That's just bad gardening. Like it's not, I don't know. I, I just, <laughs> I, I, I want to like it because I love Batgirl and I love DC, but at the moment it's just not doing anything for me to like really suck me in. And obviously, I know that they have changed things now for Batgirl, but, you know, they obviously have her um, potential disability, which they've not really addressed properly, I don't think. Which I think would have been interesting to dive into, but they seem to be kind of skirting around that issue, which I'm quite disappointed in.
0: Yeah. Edwin, are you looking forward to it? I've been on a, a wonderful journey with it where I, I saw the initial sort of reports on it and the initial footage and basically saw people kicking damaged numerals out of, out of other people and thought, Ew, <laughs> this isn't Batman. Batman don't do damaged numerals. Um, and <laughs> then after that, I saw the, I think it was the Mr. Freeze trailer. Uh, and I thought, actually, this looks quite fun. It's, there's some stuff going on here and I quite like this location. Um, so off the back of that, I asked somebody if I could review it. And they said yes with suspicious haste, and <laughs> then I uh, <laughs> went and read the lovely Chris Tapsall's preview, which was basically like having somebody take your chair away as you're about to sit down. <laughs> and now I feel now I have regret, um, but you know I, I want to. You know, I mean, I, I did I enjoyed the Arkham games. I'm interested at the idea that this this or the idea that this game is um, kind of antagonistic towards Rocksteady's games. I, I kind of I'm interested to see. How they deal with the fact that everybody is obviously wants it to be Arkham on some level, or at least all mm. the, you know, the returning players, and how they kind of get around that or attempt to. Um, but yeah, I uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm I don't have high hopes at this stage. Um, I am
1: curious about how they will address the elephant in the room of Batman's demise in the game. Narratively.
0: Yeah, we'll I think see. it was there was some funny chat in the um, Eurogame Slack about. The idea that they might sort of function like a, a sort of set of Transformers parts that just all join together and turn into, <laughs> like turn the into Batman. Like or something. The Power Rangers, yeah. <laughs> like Robin is Batman's left <laughs> leg or something like that. <laughs> it's funny
2: because for me, um, you know, I always enjoyed, I never really got into the Batman games. So I played a bit of them and I loved, you know, that they they kind of seemed to make popular or even invent at the time this kind of balletic. Kind of combat, almost kind of rhythm action, more than you know, pulling off specific kind of moves and combos. And it made Batman really feel satisfying uh, to play as and and like a you know, superhero or a very capable, um, a very capable fighter. And to hear that this one's got you know, like damage numbers and to see, um, who is it, um, Nightwing with guns, you know, shooting, and 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 I'm like, you know. of leaves a bad taste in my mouth and also those those heroes you know like robin batgirl nightwing and red hood they to me they're like supporting cast you know i'm I'm, Hmm. it was interesting to hear that you're excited about batgirl i don't know anything about batgirl um and but it sounds like you know she's potentially very interesting and um a nice character to follow but to me yeah it's like a supporting casting and i'm like well where's the I don't really want to play as any of them. You know, it might be interesting to play as them as a a co-op sidekick to Batman in a different game, but on their own, I'm like, oh, no. (laughs) Um, Zoe on the video team um, has been to play the game as well. And there's lots of footage over on the Eurogamer channel on YouTube when she's talking to Ian about um, her thoughts on the game. And she's, I think, apprehensively sort of, uh, or cautiously kind of positive I think she particularly likes how Harley Quinn has been portrayed in the game and then, and when she said that I'm like yeah Harley Quinn, I would totally play Harley Quinn as a character I could get down with that like a Harley Quinn Batman style um, like game spin off I just these characters don't feel as strong to
1: me So you're more looking forward to uh, Kill the Suicide Squad, is that what it's called?
2: Uh, I'm not sure what it's called
0: but um, yeah, potentially, I still haven't seen the film Um, is that the one it's the it's the rocksteady game you're talking about isn't it yeah uh, killing uh, the justice league and all that stuff killing the justice league
1: not the suicide squad thank you got the wrong action (laughs) yeah Yeah. kill the justice league that's what i was going for
2: but yeah i i guess i am and um i yeah i this one i don't know i think it was struggle um it's out later this month um not too much longer actually 21st of october So, and and on pretty much every platform. Time is marching on. Yeah. Uh, maybe one to try, you know, on one of the subscription services if it hits them. Um, But I I don't think I'll be rushing to play it myself. Anyway, moving on quickly. Um, Elsewhere around the site, I just wanted to quickly highlight. There's a wonderfully chunky No Man's Sky feature um, on the site this week where our longtime No Man's Sky player, Matt Wales, sat down with Sean Murray for a big chat about the game sort of where it came from where it's going in the future um i'm really excited that matt got a chance to sit down with sean because yeah he is the person who's been following this game for years um so that's perfect um we also just published um, a review for a game called proteus i think i pronounced that correctly uh which reviewer rick lane called perhaps the best shooter outright since doom eternal uh which is some high praise
1: that's very high praise
2: um which sounds fun a kind of old school shooter and also this week i was playing a game and i think it it just got published a little while ago the piece actually a game called moonbreaker which is um subnautica developer unknown worlds it's their new game and it's their game that's basically warhammer the game really warhammer without the license you um fight in turn-based battles but you fight with figurines and you also collect them and paint them there's a whole painting studio in the game and My thoughts on Eurogamer now. Briefly, I am. It's it's really awkward at first. This game. um, It's quite rigid. It, the characters aren't animated, which is fine. They're supposed to be figurines. Like I get why that happens. It just feels a bit weird when they're just plonked down and they sort of move like they're.
1: Do they walk like the soldiers in Toy Story?
2: A little bit. Yeah, they sort of, <laughs> that's the kind of vibe. And But all the camera's kind of locked in, and it's locked in quite close. And you can pull back, um, but you sort of come up a little bit as if you're looking top down. And it's, it's, so it's all quite big in front of you. And when everything's together, sometimes it's a bit tricky to see what is where um, and what's going on. But I kind of get it it looks quite big and chunky and satisfying. And some of the controls work slightly differently to how they would in other games, so I'm making sort of mistakes. I don't want to make but once you get used to all of that there's a really satisfying and quite nuanced kind of strategy to it movement is this super important thing like boxing characters in is imagine a sport where you are in a bo- an arena like boxing or mma or something like an mma or something like that and how important kind of controlling the spaces in a game like that and it's the same sort of thing here like you're trying to hem some characters in or box them in. You can lock them in place with certain abilities. Um, so that's a really good side of it. And it works a bit like Hearthstone in that you have a, like a hero character. They are on the board. They're not sort of stood back from the board. Um, and then over time, you earn so in round one. You earn like one energy. Round two, you get two energy. Round three, and so on. And with that energy, you use it to pull in other characters. Um, so you summon them effectively or call them or whatever it's called in the game. Um, And then there's various different things that affect all this. And all the the figurines you can call in do various different things passively and actively um, via their abilities, which are also powered by this energy. So you're always deciding, you're like, do I want to sort of go for the jugular and go for their, um, like, champion now? Or do I want to pull some figurines down and sort of build up my strength for later? It's always that kind of, there's a lot to it. a lot of tactical depth. And I played a few games online. One sum, I thought I'd lose, and vice versa. And I was quite into it. I it just the whole thing feels they've tried to pump energy into it, where you know energy and color and life into it wherever they can. But there's something about it that still feels a bit uh, just a bit rigid. I think Um, we'll we'll see how it goes. It's early access now. It's also it's got loot boxes in, like they're supposed to be like card packs, I think, but they're effectively they're kind of loot boxes and. Um,
1: My doorbell's just gone. I'm very sorry.
2: That's okay. Um, you're oh, welcome. Guess. You're welcome to go and get it if you like. I will oh, quickly
1: go and get it. I'll be okay. right back.
2: Um, so I'm not sure the, the loot box is in it. Like you, you, you un. This is how you get new figurines for your army. So you open one and you get three random figurines. And um, that it's a bit. It just feels really old-fashioned, especially with Overwatch coming out this week—a game that sort of popularized loot
0: boxes. Um, it sounds like it's. I mean, I can obviously see that they're trying to get get you get that kind of old-school, you know, oh, love collecting figurines kind of um, sensibility going with those with the with the loot boxes. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've, I've seen. I think it was a three DS game or a DS game. I can't remember the name of which has the same sort of concept of figurines as as your characters. Um, and I've always sort of looked at that and thought, this this can't be done too many times, this particular aesthetic, because it kind of, it does run out of steam quite quickly, I think as an idea well, I've not played the game, but the new game but um, yeah. yeah, I'm sort of a bit turned off by it. There was
2: also a, a savage kind of burn slash great description of the game in that um, I think it was Wesley uh, turned around um, and he was like, this looks like a game that couldn't get the Warhammer license <laughs> and i was a like still moonbreaker yeah and i was like that is a great description of what it is but also worryingly i worry if that is accurate because it, it's very like it's sort of a mash between 40k and the fantasy thing there's a bit of fantasy there's a bit of you know guns and stuff like that but i, I worry that the there's not the charisma in the the items themselves as well that makes you want to collect them it, but it, it, it works fine and you know i had fun with the tactical side of it the painting is great as well you can it, it really speeds it up because you can kind of lock the paint to the layer you'd want to um paint so for instance if you wanted to paint the armor layer you can just splash paint around and it only goes on the armor layer um, and not everything else it's a bit like having masking tape on everything my
1: problem with it is the james bond nerd in me immediately wants to start singing moonraker theme tunes
2: oh okay well i i don't (laughs) think we can fix that um anyway um (laughs) that's out in early access now um if you want to play it um it is you know there's some good stuff in there the only other thing i want to touch on this week before we end quickly is the big news of the week was cd project red um announcing basically their future strategy uh really uh which involved well, actually, Victoria, I'm going to let you tell us, because um, you wrote the story on this, and I think you'll be able to tell it in a much a less confusing way.
1: Well, I hope I can. You've put me on the spot now. Uh, so CD Projekt Red have pretty much laid out their entire roadmap timetable for, I, I reckon, at least the next decade. Yeah. Um, so they announced that they are working on a full Cyberpunk 2077 sequel, uh, and they've actually they've started a new studio in Boston for that. Um, which they have said will help them tap into some of the North American talent to get this game up and going. Uh, In addition to that, they've obviously got the uh, Phantom Liberty DLC that we knew about, but that was on their little timeline. Uh, What I'm most excited by is the fact that they have a cascade of Witcher games on the way, Uh, there's going to be a new trilogy from CDPR itself, and then there's going to be one which is codenamed Canis Majoris, or Can- yeah, um, which is going to be done by a third party. And then there's another one which is being helmed, called Sirius, which is being helmed by the Molasses Flood. Yeah. I think I got that the right way around. Yeah. Uh, and then, interestingly, they've also announced a new IP. Which is called Hadar at the moment, so they're all constellations. um, I don't know how much relevance that has into what they're actually planning behind the scenes um but yeah Hadar is going to be a totally original i p so yeah, yeah, what they haven't done though is they've given us this timeline, but they've not actually given us any specific times, yeah, like there there's nothing on it to say. I think they have said since said that uh, Witcher which four, so Polaris, which is currently um dubbed, is. At least three or four years away.
2: Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? Because um, you know, this is a, a grand new strategy. It's the first time we've heard that they're gonna, you know, Cyberpunk was a, a kind of maligned launch. It went a bit weird. Um, it still sold twenty million copies, so it's a huge success. But it's the first time we've heard them talking about future plans for that series and confirming that we're doing another series. And also they're now moving into America to create a big studio there, which is Good idea you know it's hard to get people over to Poland um so they can hoover up a lot more um, talent over there. I don't going go into too much detail because there's a whole uh newscast on that uh, this but I'll be interested to hear who the external studio is that's making a witcher game uh because that could be really interesting if someone's got a new take um mm. on, on the witcher basically um as
1: a witcher fan, who would you like it to be?
2: oh I'm not sure
1: sorry I put you on the spot
2: (laughs) I would like it to be quite different I think I would like it to have the same tone but be a a different style of game you know I'm thinking you know what if someone did like a telltale style thing you know or um, because they did try that sort of Gwent based thing yeah I don't because you wouldn't want someone doing something too similar. Like, you wouldn't want them to go to Bioware and go, like, you know, who <laughs> do you want to do a Witcher game? Because you'll be like, oh, we're going to get the same sort of game, you know. Um, so it has to be, I think, there needs to be some differentiation there. I don't know much about the Molasses Flood, but it, it, it sounded like their game is going to be a bit of a broader Witcher game. It's going to have single player and multiplayer. Um, so I don't know what that is, but that, yeah, sounds like a it's targeting a broader... Kind of audience. Um, Really interested to see what their new IP is. Um, Victoria, we were chatting a bit about this before because we're like, oh, what what can you do? Cyberpunk is sort of sci-fi. Witcher is obviously sort of medieval. So you've got to do something that isn't either one of those, really.
1: Yeah, they're definitely going to have to go and have something completely different to avoid having comparisons drawn to, oh, this isn't Cyberpunk or, oh, this isn't The Witcher. They're going to have to go completely out on a totally new limb for the company, I think. Yeah,
2: and I think that game is going to be a long way away because, so The Witcher yeah. 4 which, you know, is, is they don't want to call The Witcher 4 because they want to get this idea that it's nothing to do with the trilogy we've it's already trilogy, had. Yeah. It's a whole new trilogy of games. That's the game, the big one that they're working on, I think, that, that we're going to get next.
1: Yeah, I think The Witcher 4 uh Polaris, whatever it's called, is going to be the most imminent one then I think it'll be cyberpunk and then I think Hadar will be well down the line. I mean, what they have said so far is that it's not like there's no development on it at all at the moment. It's very much in its conceptual phase.
2: Yeah. But it's interesting that they, you know, it's interesting that they should say so much about these. I expect a lot of it is in order to attract Attention, uh, attract staff, really, attract developers. And, and one of the things that happened as well is Martin Iwinski, who was the sort of co-founder of CD Projekt entirely. Um, you know, they also have GOG. Um, they were a distribution company um, in Poland for a long time before they started their development studio CD Projekt Red. Um, he has stepped aside as um, CEO. He was the one who would often give quite sort of impassioned um, write quite impassioned letters to fans um, and things like that, and I've met um, on occasion a few times. And it seems like a really genuine um, person. He's now chairman, and they'll hire another CEO. I don't think they said who the new CEO is. Don't know. Uh,
1: I not that I have heard.
2: Um, but that's interesting. And anyway, you know, the the, the the studio that I once visited many years ago um, was you know a few uh, a few hundred people, uh, two hundred fifty, and then went up to like four hundred um now uh, well at the time of cyberpunk was 850 which is you know mm. considerably bigger and from here on will be probably yeah. close to i don't bigger know how big again. yeah you know potentially double again so it's a really big studio but potentially lots of lovely games coming along along the way Fingers well. crossed. That's everything for this week. Sorry we've run a bit long, those of you listening. I hope you don't mind too much. Um, thank you very much uh, to my guests this week. Thank you very much to Edwin. Um, I hope he hasn't fallen asleep in the background there. No, he's...
0: <laughs> no, no, no. I've been, I've been trying to think of settings for CD Projekt. Well, games. what's your best guess? <laughs> what, what do you what think? What is your best guess? Well, maybe they could be perverse about it. It's like there's been so many weird West, hard West, wild West themed games this year. It's an absolute glut of them. So now is the time to start conceptualising that Weird West game or Wild West game for 10 years from now whenever they actually release it when everybody will be in the mood for a Western game again so.
1: hmm. Could be, Western is,
0: Western is what, What's your guess, Victoria? What, what do you think?
1: Well, I don't I don't want it to be space We've covered this a little bit in the newscast so I won't repeat myself too much I don't want it to be space just because I think there is a. well, similar to what you said with the Westerns there's a glut of space stuff heading our way um. So yeah, probably something nautical, watery, under the sea, on the sea.
0: Always up to a nautical game.
1: I like. I like nautical. It's Nauticals tricky, nice. isn't it?
2: Because you know you think about the games you have at the moment, but of course, when they're thinking about them, they're thinking um, several years. In this case, possibly a decade um, in advance to to when the game comes out. And you know what we have now, we might. Really want again then
1: yes, I mean trends will change, so,
2: but I wonder, yeah, I wonder if they'll go they could go to the sort of golden age of pirating for something, who That's,
0: knows I would love to see them go in the direction which sort of downplays combat, essentially, I think you know that that studio is most interesting when they they just do narratives, branching narratives, narrative choices, of one kind or another. There's a wonderful indie game, which I already view a game called uh, Road Warden um, which I would recommend to anyone c d project as a thing to look at and consider as an mm. influence not to tell anyone how to do their jobs obviously <laughs> fundamentally do not know how to make it please
1: out. tell me how to do my job i 'm making it up as I go along
2: Thank you Victoria for joining us today
1: <laughs> Thank you for having me it's been a pleasure uh,
2: the pleasure is all ours um i'm Bertie. that was weekly and we'll see you next time. Bye
1: for now thank you. Bye.